So hello again and welcome to Acton Adult Education. Um, this is the class to do your taxes properly. <laughs> if you're not in the right room, please go. Um, so my name is Seth Monk, again. Um, Monk being my, I guess we could say it's like my stage name, right? It's my going name. So I was a Buddhist monk for eight years. I was living in a monastery in Germany. Um, and then I also spent two years traveling through India and Australia. And while I was in India um, as a monk, people would ask me my name and I had Facebook. So I wanted to connect to people, but my Buddhist name was Hui Chuan, which was my Vietnamese ordained name, which means turning wisdom. And, um, and I would say, my name is Hui Chuan, and people would just kind of stare at me. And then I said, okay, my name is Seth, because that's my name. Um, but my last, my actual last name is Krenzel. It's like a little bit also kind of difficult, so it's the same kind of thing, like, ugh, kind of to spell it out. And I was a monk, so as a monk, you're not supposed to just kind of go by your name that you were before, you know, you're supposed to have some kind of like a monk name. So I just kind of stuck those things together, Seth, and then I'm still a monk, so I was just Seth Monk. And that was an easy way for people to remember me while traveling. And then I eventually disrobed. Um, and then I kind of felt, you know, I still feel like a Seth monk because I'm still, now I'm Seth. I'm not the monk anymore. I'm Seth. But there's still that other aspect, which is kind of that, yeah, that spiritual side or that side that's really, I, I kind of feel almost in one way I have one foot here and one foot not here all the time. So a little bit in this world, a little bit somewhere else. Um, so my personal kind of story, in a way, um, I would say comes from hitting, a, hitting kind of like a rock bottom in a, in a bigger life sense. Um, so as soon as I graduated college, I kind of, you know, stepped out of the school. So I finished, and I kind of, ah, oh, graduation, and I leave the school and I look around and I kind of realized I have no idea what this world is. I have no idea what I want to be doing in this world, what there is to do in this world. And for that matter, I don't really necessarily know who I am. So I first jumped in my car, drove to California, hung out a little bit. Um, but actually I met a monk while I was in college. A monk would come periodically and he would give talks and he'd lead little workshops. So he invited me to go visit him in Germany. Um, and while I was in California, I really kind of, it, it was like a black hole. I really felt like I was not happy. I couldn't really grasp what I was doing. I had a girlfriend, and it was falling apart, and I was fighting with my parents, and kind of just everything in my life wasn't working. So I kind of decided I would take up this, this monk, this teacher, and I got in an airplane, and I left, and the way that I describe it is, if anyone saw this movie 2012, which is one of those like the Earth is ending movies, you know, there are these scenes where like the plane is taking off from the one the runway and the Earth is kind of like cracking and falling apart underneath it. it I kind of felt like that. I felt that I kind of jumped on this plane to Logan and kind of took off as everything else around me was just really falling to pieces. Um, and I really decided that you know. Unless you've worked on yourself, it doesn't really matter where you are. It doesn't matter 
kind of what you're doing. It really matters that you find a way to be at peace with yourself, to really, you know, if, if this is your, your home, if you're your home, right, that it's important that your home is clean, that your home is safe, that your home is free of toxins, that your home is a healthy place that you feel comfortable in. And if your home doesn't feel comfortable, then you're always going to be trying to run away from your home. You're always going to be going everywhere else. So my trip to Germany was a little bit of that kind of running away process, but it was also a running to, because I was running away to a place that could end the running away, if that makes sense for you guys. So I had to go to a place that I could stop running. And uh, the way that I tell the story, it's not completely accurate, but close enough is that I spent out of those eight years, the first four years was really more intensely working on myself and kind of hammering things out and getting myself back on track. A lot of healing, a lot of digesting everything that had happened to me before that. So pretty much from the time I was born till the time I was 22, I needed those next four years just to process all that stuff that I never really got a chance to process. And then a shift started to happen that as I started to find ground for myself, I then started to turn it outwards and I started to, to help and to teach others. Um, so I started to then take this and move it forward. How you doing? Yeah, welcome. Come sit with us up here. Yeah, please. Thank you. Sure. And so my time at the monastery, it was, it was this long kind of process of slowly dealing with all of the, the baggage that I had taken with me, so all of the past stuff that I was bringing there, slowly unpacking that, being finished with it. And then slowly I was able to start bringing in some new things into my life. And then in the monastery I started teaching, I started leading some of the weekly meditation groups, I started a kids group, um, and then it just kind of snowballed until I was then leading my own retreats and people were inviting me around the world to go teach and things like this. Um, and then it was around that point that I started to feel something for myself wasn't right, and then I had to leave the monastery, and then I had to travel for a few years to, I guess, just get back in touch with myself. And eventually I felt that for me personally, disrobing, so not being a monk anymore, was my way forward, actually, on the spiritual path. And since I came home, I was asked to, um, to start helping with students in schools. So I've been doing now work in middle schools and in high schools with students in the classes. But then also the teachers, I'm leading retreats for teachers. Uh, so weekend immersive meditation, mindfulness, social, emotional retreats for teachers. And that's also slowly shifting to also the, the administration are now asking for the same thing. So that's starting to kind of just be where I'm going with all of this in a way. Um, it was interesting today, actually, before I came here, I was at a middle school in Woburn. And I was talking to the group of kids, and I said, you know, um, on Facebook, I recently saw this really funny video, and it said, life explained as a video game. Yeah, as like a computer game. And it said, and it kind of showed a map of the world, you know, it said, 
So, welcome to the game. The first thing in the game is that you find where you're going to respawn on the map, and it kind of like zooms in on, you know, America, and it said, so once you've spawned on the map, you really, for the first two levels of the game, only will have interactions with these two characters that are playing the parent roles, and they will kind of guide you and give you some kind of assurance and structure, but if those parents are kind of faulty, then for the rest of your game you'll have a dysfunction. And then it said, so now for the next 18 years, 18 levels of the game, um, you'll have to take a tutorial. And in the tutorial you will be able to start building your friendship meter and practicing some of your skill level points. But mostly, it's just going to have to be, and it showed like a picture of a school, and it was like, inside of an institution to learn and figure out how the game works. Then finally, after the 18th level, you can finally start playing the game, where you will realize that the tutorial had nothing to do with the actual game. And then for the next game, because the game is kind of an open map, there's really nothing that you're supposed to be doing. So some people like to focus on getting their relationship meter higher, some people like to focus on getting in-game credits, which are called dollars. And some people just take their time to explore the map. You do this about from the time you're on level 18 to the time you're on level 50. By the time you're on level 50, you've probably had a full relationship meter, you've figured out your skill sets, and you've maybe explored some of the map. But then your character starts to have some glitches, and it starts to get harder to go around the map. So you could kind of use that time to help newer characters who are coming in figure things out. But you'll kind of keep getting glitchier until about the 80th level, and then at some point the screen just goes black. And then it said, well, after the screen goes black, there's a lot of theories from gamers about what happens at that point. Some say you respawn again. Some say you unlock a secret sandbox level where you revisit all of the best parts of the game. But actually, nobody really knows. So just kind of enjoy your time playing. And I watched this video and I was like, that's probably the most brilliant explanation of life I've ever heard. And the part that really struck me because of the work I'm doing in schools was the part that they said that the first 18 years of your life are a tutorial that then actually have nothing to do with the game. And that's kind of what I did today in the school is I sat and I told the kids this. I said, you're in a system that has actually nothing to do with anything outside of the system. And you just have to go through this and you're going to get out of this when you're 18 and you're going to look at the world and really have no idea about anything. And then you're going to have to start figuring life out. And in school, there's a really clear structure that says what is success, what is progress in a school, right? If you can process information correctly and give it back, then you're successful in that system, you get a grade, you're up here. Yes, you know how success looks within the model of a school. You're gonna get out of school and there's no more success model. There's some people who think success means money, but you see a lot of people who have a lot of money and they're miserable, right? There's some people who think success is relationship, and yeah, that can be, but then you see those people that are A, also miserable in relationships, or B, if the relationship ends, they suddenly feel, what am I doing with my life? They felt suddenly completely lost. I hear this, a lot of mothers come to me and they say that when the kids have left the house, maybe they've even left the husband, 
suddenly they realize that their family was actually their whole life, and suddenly they realize, I actually haven't spent any time thinking about what do I want? Who am I? Yeah? So if you kind of look at this, this society that we're in, we're kind of just thrown into this thing, this thing called life. You're just kind of thrown in. And you're kind of caught by these parents who are different levels of conscious of what they're doing or clear about themselves. And these are your biggest impulses. And then you're thrown into this thing called school, which is like a structure that has a certain way, looks a certain way. And then kind of that just ends. And by the time it ends, you have more or less a direction that you think you want to be going in. But then this whole other thing happens of life where you end up somewhere completely that you would have never even thought about because it's a whole different world. And then we get old and then we die. And there's not really many times within that system that we're kind of given something which would be called real guidance as to what exactly is going on. What, we're supposed to, what, is, this, what is this? What is this about? Partially because nobody actually knows. We're all doing our best, but actually nobody knows. We don't know what this is. Life. Nobody really knows what we're doing here. We're in these weird bodies, yeah, doing this stuff, living. We don't really know. We're kind of doing what everybody else is doing. Oh, you get jobs and you make money and you get food and you get the house at the Cape. And Oh, okay, like this is what I'm supposed to be. To ever, this seems to be what people do. But we don't really know what's going on. We just kind of follow along a little bit with the flow of things. So it kind of brings me to a little bit the point about why we're all here in a way. Um, I heard a really interesting saying the other day, and it was, it said that religion is for people that fear hell and spirituality is for people who have been there. And I think that's really interesting and cool because I feel that a lot of people that I meet, a lot of people that come to rounds, um, didn't sound like anybody in this group, but who knows. But it seems like sometimes people also come to something like this out of a feeling of desperation, out of a feeling like they really know that they need something, and they know that thing that they need is not really being offered out there. It's not on the material level. It's not like they can get something thing or ghosts, it's not a thing to be had anymore. It's more of a place within themselves that they need to arrive at. And I think that ultimately kind of what these rounds are about, it's just that. It's really slowly getting clarity about the situation that we find ourselves in and then slowly getting tools and understandings and experiences that start to move us not necessarily to a place out there, but more that it's moving us to a place more inside of ourselves that feels more comfortable, more stable, more at peace. That something in us starts to shift, starts to open up, starts to unlock. Yeah. Something in us starts to feel um, full or whole or, or complete. And that's kind of I, I guess the goal of many people, just in general, their life, is that they actually would love to get some feeling of peace and contentment and completeness. Um, but they're just not really um, clear about how to arrive at that goal. 
And so me personally, this is something that I can say from experience is that, that this path, and I don't even have to use the word spiritual path, but, um, but this path of really, really getting down to the, the essence of what's going on, and that essence is really making peace with yourself, learning how to make peace with yourself, um, is really kind of what everybody's after in different ways, whether they know it or not. So during my time as a monk, I also, um, I had the, the opportunity, I, I met the Dalai Lama um, maybe like 10 times, like a handful of times, and some pretty close proximities, did even like an interview with him. Um, I lived with Thich Nhat Hanh for a while at Plum Village, so with his community, if any of you know who he is. Um, and then I spent some time also in a monastery in Australia with Achen Brahm, who is one of the kind of leading Western meditation masters in the world. And I've had some time to also do some personal retreats for a few months at a time. Um, so I've really had this chance to, to meet and to study with really what I would say are, are many of the best teachers in the world right now um, from their experience level and their ability to, to, to share that information. And also I've had really a lot of time for personal practice to really embody and implement the stuff they've been teaching. And now it's kind of that question of bridging it over to you guys, right? So in which way you want to receive that, which way you can receive that. These classes are generally, um, so it's 7 o'clock to 8.30. I think that's what it says on the thing. So generally, we'll start something along the lines of me talking, me sharing a bit um, about kind of the, the talk of the day, right, the topic of the day, give you some impulses, some conceptual understanding of what's going on, process. And then we'll do a sitting meditation, which I guide, so I do a, I lead it, I lead us into the sitting. And then after that, I might talk a little bit more. And also maybe we have time for question and answer if people have questions about things. And then we stand up and we'll do a walking meditation. So we walk around the room. This really gets us grounded back in our bodies and helps us relax. A lot of people, they sit and their mind is just bouncing all over the place. It doesn't work for them. So when they first have a chance to then walk, then they really feel like they're starting to come down again. And after that walk, then we sit again for a couple minutes. And that's kind of the structure. So it's like talk, a sit, a talk walking and sitting again. And then by the end, the goal is that each class, you'll come out with some new understanding about yourself, some new understanding about this process that we're in called meditation, the practice. And also you'll leave here in a more peaceful state than you came here in. So you'll make also the experiential contact to the material. So that's kind of the structure of how these classes run. Um, because today's the first class it's a little bit different because there's the sharing round and all of that so we'll just kind of see how today goes but it'll be something like that I'd really like to jump into a meditation but I feel that I would actually like to a little bit just touch on the conceptual part of it just so a little bit people know who here's never meditated like ever ever who here has maybe meditated a couple times? 
who here meditates often? Who didn't raise their hands? Um, so just the basic impulse today, and also if anybody has any questions right off the bat of anything I talked about, or if you already know, like, you know, I actually already have this problem that I need to just throw out there right now to get the answer to. I can, anytime you need to raise your hand, go for it. Um, but the, be- the, the basic thing just to say about meditation or about what we'll be doing is... Meditation, it's about allowing the mind to rest. Okay? Did you all get that? So, what does that mean when I say allow the mind to rest? So, it's not falling asleep. Okay, falling asleep is sleeping. The mind rests, kind of, but actually then you dream, right? So I know for myself that I have thoughts, and then those thoughts, as I fall asleep, they start translating into these weird long thought chains that then start getting accompanying pictures as I start to fall. Like I've kind of been conscious a little bit of that falling asleep process, and I start to see like images, and then I kind of pass out. So then I go into the darkness, and then I come back up on the other side, and then those images are still going. And then when I wake up, sometimes I wake up actually more stressed out than when I fell asleep because I had some crazy dream about something or whatever. And sometimes I'll be thinking about something when I fall asleep. I'll have crazy dreams, and then I'll wake up, and my thought will pick up right where it was when I fell asleep, as if, like, that didn't help me at all, right? So sleeping, it's really, it's good rest for the body, but it's not really resting the mind. It's not really resting the mind. Okay, so sleeping's not what I mean when I say resting the mind. So when I say meditation's resting the mind, it also doesn't mean sitting there Forcing yourself not to think. Okay? So there's this like weird battle in Western meditation circles that say we're fighting against our thoughts or something. That often people tell me that they're trying, like, I keep thinking and I don't want to be thinking and I can't stop my mind. that they're like angry at their thoughts and they're angry that they can't stop thinking and they think somehow they're hopeless because they can't stop thinking. Like thoughts are somehow bad or something. I don't know where people get that from. Uh, Thoughts are natural parts of, they arise in the mind. So you can't stop thinking um, for any good amount of time by forcing it. But what you can do is just allow, just relax and allow. Don't hurt yourself by trying to force your mind to be a certain way. Relax, rest, yeah, rest. Allow things to be like they are. And what's gonna happen eventually, and this is why meditation, it's actually very counterintuitive. And my teacher, Achen Brahm, he said once to me, he said, yeah, it's counterintuitive because we're stupid. Yeah, we're stupid because we don't actually know how the mind works. It's counterintuitive because actually when you rest, when you stop trying to do something, the mind naturally finds peace. And when the mind becomes peaceful, the thoughts naturally stop. 
Because the mind is so happy to be present that it's not interested in thinking because thoughts are actually escaping the present moment. So having no thoughts is something that can eventually happen once the mind feels happy and peaceful. But the way for the mind to get happy and peaceful is for you to relax, for you to actually be kind to yourself, for you to not make yourself into a war zone, for you to not be pushing yourself or having expectations on yourself or trying to be a meditation success or trying not to be a meditation failure. You cannot try to do anything. By definition, trying is doing, and doing is not resting. Okay? Does this make sense? So, ultimately we're going to be sitting here doing nothing. If you could do nothing, you'll be the best meditator in this class. If you do nothing, I can give you the gold star for the nothingest person in the room. Yeah? Our problem is that it's really difficult for us to do nothing. That we've never learned, what, what, is it, what do you mean do nothing? How do you do nothing? The mind starts questioning, is this nothing? Am I doing nothing now? Is this nothing enough? Or the mind says, but I've done nothing my whole life and that hasn't helped. Yeah. But even those questions themselves, that's the mind trying to do something. It's trying to grab something, understand something. So for these next, this is a six-week class, right? You guys, six weeks? Yeah. So for this six-week class, really try to throw out anything that you know already anything that you've heard about meditation or the mind, really just toss that stuff all out and try to make really a fresh new experience here. Yeah, and after those six weeks, feel free to reincorporate that stuff if you want to. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll make a completely fresh and new and more powerful experience in this room and you'll say, wow, okay, now I understand what meditation is. Now I understand what it feels like to be peaceful. Now I really understand what this is all about. Yeah, so I, I kind of give that to you guys as like an invitation. Okay. So again, the way to do nothing is to relax, to enjoy feeling good sitting here, relaxing, right, breathing, just really letting things go, um, unwinding. I think that's a good way. If you imagine that we're really tense, like you take something and it's wrapped up really tense, really allowing that thing to slowly unwind by itself, right? And the more you can enjoy sitting here, like I say sometimes, like when you sit in a forest, when you sit on a beach, when you sit in a beautiful place, you naturally become present. Yeah, you don't have to force that. Really we recreate that feeling sitting here because when you could do that sitting here, you could do that anywhere. Yeah. And you could sit in the middle of a city and you could still feel peaceful. You take it with you. You start to build up an energy of peacefulness that comes into your life. So I think I'll stop it there for now, and we'll actually just jump right into the practice, okay? So the first thing is for sitting. Um, for next class, it would be great if everybody finds cushions, to, if everyone brings something to sit on. And from looking around, I see not many, almost no 
people that have what I would call maybe the proper kind of sitting apparatus, um, you want to be sitting higher up. Yeah? You want to sit higher up. Because when you sit higher up, your back gets naturally straight, your hips open up, your knees can go right onto the floor. It kind of opens up naturally. It's not like you're flexible to be able to sit like this. It's because you have the right seat. Because I've been sitting for 15 years, I can now sit on a lower thing. But usually you want to sit on something that's even higher, that's more stable for yourself. If you're sitting too low, your back will curve. You'll be sitting on your, on your leg, on your ankle. You're going to cut off circulation. Your feet will fall asleep. Most common question I hear, why do my feet fall asleep? It's because you're sitting like this. So you're cutting off the circulation to your foot. Yeah. So you will slowly over time figure out for yourself with practice what is your best way to sit. I promise you will all figure it out for yourself. And we also have chairs in the back of the room that are always available at any time. And again, you are not a failed meditator if you sit on a chair. That might actually be the smartest thing you could do if you need it. Okay? So that offer is always there. Yeah. What if you like to lay in corpse pose? Is that okay? I do not allow people to lie down in my class. Because okay. laying meditation usually becomes snoring meditation. <laughs> yeah. Because when we lie down, we naturally just associate that with sleep time. And it's very relaxed and it's nice. And then we drop into sleep. Which is why doing things like lying meditation before you go to bed are amazing because they help bring you to that place. But to be able to sit, it keeps you upright and awake. And you'll see, some of you will probably still be like nodding off during meditation, but at least it keeps you more or less in, a, in an awake but relaxed position. Yeah. So any questions about anything I just said? So again, for the first day, because some of us, we've just kind of come, we don't really know what we need, uh, no problem, do your best today. Um, but just know, like, if your leg hurts, if your back hurts, if you feel weird, it's not because you're a failed meditator. It could just be because you do not have the proper stuff to sit on. And even if you want to grab a chair just for today, you can do that. So, like this. So to begin with, we sit in a position that for us feels comfortable, feels stable. 